Hey everyone, welcome to the Gate Alliance Church. We're so glad you could join us for this week's podcast. If you have any questions or want to learn how you can be more engaged in our church, check us out online at thegatechurch.ca. Thanks for listening and enjoy this week's podcast. Well, if you've been following our Abide message, uh, whether you're in person online, I hope you have been following it because you'll recall that it is of the utmost importance that we stay connected to the true vine, that we remain connected to Jesus, right? It's not just about going through the motions, but really it's getting into that deep, uh, meaningful, connected relationship with him. So how connected, right? Max Licato, he writes this. He says, God wants to be as close to us as a branch is to a vine. One is an extension of the other. It is impossible to tell where one starts and the other ends. The branch isn't connected only at the moment of bearing fruit. The gardener doesn't keep the branches in a box and then on the day he wants grapes, glues them to the vine. No, the branch constantly draws nutrition from the vine. So it's impossible to tell where one starts and the other ends. That is as close as physically and spiritually as we can connect. One thing branches don't do is they don't exert a lot of energy of their own. They can't do anything on their own. In their strength or in their abilities, nothing. You still with me? Are you connecting the dots? So where's Joanne? Joanne? Tell us as a master gardener, have you ever had to treat a branch for being overexhausted? No. Good answer. She said no. <laughs> you know, you don't hear branches uh, groaning or grunting. I've got to get this grape out. I've got to get this grape out. If it takes everything in me, it's my job. It's my duty to get this grape out. See, the branch has one job. That's to receive the nourishment from the vine which produces fruit. You have one job, and that is to receive nourishment from Jesus, to be fruitful. If you are not connected, or you choose not to be connected to Jesus, well, it's become uh, a church mantra around here, our marching orders. If you are not connected to Jesus, what can you do? What can you accomplish? What fruit will you bear? They can't hear at home. Nothing, nothing, and nothing. I'm going to be going places today. I'm so glad you came to church because I'm going to go places that you might not want me to go, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> here, I, I'm here for this purpose, to bring encouragement through God's Word and to cause us to be uncomfortable where we are because, well, fact of the matter is some of us are where we ought not to be. You hearing me? See, I love you too much to let you stay where you're at. And if that's you, I care about you so much. And I'll be that person. I'll be that person that tells you that what you know to be true, you already know this to be true, yet you lie to yourself to deceive yourself. And it's time, church, for us to stop living that way. We, we can't go out from here and live like the world six days a week and give God one day and not even a whole day right? And continue to expect that because we came to church on Sunday or we're watching the message on a Wednesday, that we are good, that we, we are abiding in the vine. 
Now, if we're living that way, if that's you, I could tell you straight, that is not abiding in the vine, but rather that's abiding in the world. And so church family, brothers and sisters, who I love deeply, I pray that these words today will stir your heart, stir my heart to consider, are you truly abiding in the true vine? We read in the message version from John 15, 5, I'm the vine, you are the branches. When you're joined with me and I with you, the relation is intimate and organic. The harvest is sure to be abundant. Separated, you can't produce a thing. Nothing. Have we got that yet after all these weeks, right? I want to make sure that before we go deeper in today's message, we all understand that there's no question about it. That if we are not connected to the vine, to Jesus, we can do nothing. Now, you might think you can, right? There's always a few of us out there that try to outsmart God. <laughs> you might try to. The world might tell you that you're able to. Dr. Phil will tell you how you can become a better you. Oprah, she might have you come on her show, show and tell others about your great accomplishments. But you see, as followers of Jesus, unless we are connected to Jesus, anything we do in our own abilities our own talents or skills is nothing. It's nada. Hate to break it to you, but I'm glad I have the chance to tell you that without Jesus, you and I, we, we can do nothing. In fact, as you listen to me right now, and as you take that very next breath, you can only do that because of Jesus. So today I'm here to talk to those of you who call Jesus Lord, who profess him to be Savior, Proclaim him to be the coming king. And as well, if you're here and you have not yet chose to follow Jesus, but you're here and you have questions about who God is, you're in the right place. Today we gather to be equipped by the reading of and teaching of God's word. And that when we leave this place of worship today, we are better equipped to live our lives. And we're better equipped to share the good news, the gospel with those that they too would come to that point where they would profess Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. Amen? So if you're here today and you're wondering about who Jesus is or you have unanswered questions about why we follow him, I urge you to have ears to hear the message and that in these words you would be drawn closer to making a profession of faith that you believe in him, that, that you believe that he was born of a virgin, that he grew to be a man who was crucified on a cross only to overcome death three days later, and then later ascended into heaven and now sits at the right hand of God the Father and is coming back to rule and reign over all, because that is what we preach here, amen? So I know for some, it doesn't make any sense. Honestly, it makes no sense when you think about it. That's why we call it faith, right? Because it's by faith we believe. It is by faith that he is active in our hearts. He's constantly changing who we are to be more like him in all we do. And so we must be more than faithful, though. More than just saying, I believe, I, I attend, I listen, I read, I, I sing, I go to potlucks. We must be more than faithful. We must be what? Fruitful, fruitful, big banners, there's your clue. <laughs> As I shared, apart from Jesus, 
We can do nothing, and, and, and without the Holy Spirit at work in our lives, we will remain a branch that bears no fruit. And that is what we're going to talk about today, that we be a branch that bears fruit. And according to Scripture, more fruit and much fruit. If we want to see the fruit produced in our lives, then we must abide in Him. The more we abide in Him, the more we become like Him, and the more we become like Him, the more fruit we will bear. Who's ready to get your fruit on? Come on. I can't be the only one. What does it mean to be fruitful? Let's once again open to our series text, John 15. Give you some time to open up to John 15. If you've got your phone, a Bible app, open that up as well. I want you to read God's Word this morning. And as you do, I want you to know I'm reading from the Amplified. It's my preferred choice version. Uh, it's for me like going out to a restaurant. You know, French fine dining, you leave and you're hungry. I want the full meal deal. I want the smorgasbord. So that's why I read the Amplified. If you've never read the Amplified, give it a shot. It might open your eyes. So, John 15, starting at verse 1, we read, I'm the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. He is the gardener. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that contains, continues to bear fruit, he repeatedly prunes, so that it will bear more fruit, even richer and finer fruit. Ooh, you are already clean because of the word which I have given you, the teachings which I have discussed with you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. Just as no branch can bear fruit by itself without remaining in the vine, neither can you bear fruit producing evidence of your faith unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him bears much fruit. For otherwise, apart from me, that is cut off from a vital union with me, you could do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown out like a broken off branch and withers and dies. And they gather such branches and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, that is, if we are vitally united and my message lives in your heart, ask whether you wish, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My father is glorified and honored by this. When you bear much fruit and prove yourself to be my true disciples. Verse eight, my father is glorified and honored by this. When, but by, by what? By bearing much fruit. And then we prove ourselves to be true disciples of Jesus. So today we're moving along in this passage and we're going to discover what does it mean to glorify God? Now, you most likely have spoken these words yourself uh, or you've heard them spoken and honestly outside of these four walls, to those that do not follow Christ or have faith in Jesus, it's simply somebody speaking what I call Christianese, right? Do we here, though, in this place, understand the depth of what we are saying when we say, let's glorify the Lord? So we're going to dig in and we're going to discover today. So first, let's understand what the glory of the Lord is with our finite minds, right? <laughs> the word glory can be defined differently. So literally, it means to be weighty. Figuratively, it means to give weight, honor, respect, significance. Theologically, it means God is the most important, most significant, and therefore worthy of honor and respect. Bible dictionaries define God's glory as the manifestation of his divine attributes and perfections. God's glory is the presentation or revelation of the significance of 
God of who he is. And God is, and he alone in his nature is omnipresent, right? He is in all, he's above all, he's omniscient, he knows all, and he's omnipotent, he sustains all. God's character is his love, justice, grace, peace, joy, patience, of which all are displayed perfectly and at the same time in him. God's significance is seen in his unique nature and character. And with that, we can say that his glory is the visible expression of his character. So get this. You and I, we were created in his image. And we are his workmanship. We're his craftsmanship. We're his masterpieces. And in other words, we are the image bearers of God. And what this means is that we reflect the visible expression of God's character, but there isn't a single one of us that can display his nature because none of us are omnipresent, omniscient, or omnipotent. So we can display God's character, though, his love, joy, peace, right? You following? This is good stuff. That's a good spot to say amen. Amen, <laughs> amen. thank you. See, the glory of God, the visible expression of his character is on display in you and I, his image bearers. Now, some of you just had that aha moment. Whoa, that's a heavy revy. That's what I call that. That's a heavy revelation, a heavy revy. There's a lot of good nuggets in today's stuff, so there's more. <laughs> in Isaiah chapter 6, beginning at verse 1 to 7, Isaiah encountered God's glory as the resounding declaration from the seraphim about God's holiness and glory. He shook the temple, it filled up with smoke. And overwhelmed by the revelation of God's holiness, Isaiah, he was a sinful man. He became aware of his own sinfulness and he cried out, I am ruined. However, God purified him and removed his guilt and forgave his sins. Now, I want to pick up that story on verse 8. Then in verse 8, we read, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and whom will go for us? Then I said, Here am I, send me. You see, in the presence of God's glory, lives are changed because experiencing God's glory initiates change. Encountering God's glory causes us to respond. You cannot be in the presence of God's glory and remain unchanged. In his presence, we realized, I'm ruined. I'm full of sin. But God, amen, he has made a way for us through Christ to bring us into a right relationship with him. See, God cannot be in the presence of sin. And so because of the redemption work of his son, Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary, in the presence of our father's glory, we experience God's forgiveness, which changes our hearts to turn to him, to serve him and to willingly respond to the call in our lives. We too can confidently declare, not because of who we are, but because of God's redemptive work through his son in us and by his Holy Spirit at work in our lives. We too can say, here am I, send me. And we can say that in confidence, amen? So in John 15, 8, we read, well, Jesus tells us how we, how we, how we can bring glory to God. Wow, right? This is how my father shows who he is. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my true disciples. Fruit, 
Again, something that we might not quite understand. Well, bearing fruit, being fruitful is to simply be Christ-like in attitude, in character, and in mission. Let me tell you a secret, church. It's not just a Sunday thing. Amen? It's an everyday, every way, everywhere kind of thing, all-encompassing life that we live to be fruit growers, to remain attached to the vine, to be pruned when needed. I know, ouch, it hurts, but it's good for you, right? Good for me too. <laughs> so that we bear much fruit. And when we do, what happens? Woo! Give her the chocolate. <laughs> we glorify God. Amen? Wow. And how do we do this? Love. As Tina Turner asked, what's love got to do with this? The answer is everything, right? Love is a fruit. If you don't believe me, turn to Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. When you love others, you shine a spotlight on God. When you love others, you bring glory to the Father. How do people know you're a true disciple of Jesus? Love others. Love is a fruit. Now listen to this and allow these words to change your heart today. You are to love others like Jesus loves you. Ooh, amen? It's getting quiet in here. <laughs> I know it's easier said than done. I get it. I know people like that too, right? Hopefully they're not the same people. <laughs> However, the command to love extends beyond those who are easy to love. It includes even those who have caused us harm. And loving them challenges us to release the grudges that we have towards them and to forgive them. But is that not what we're called to do anyways? To forgive those that trespassed against us? Come on, right? And so you see, it all starts with abiding in the vine. So I want to challenge us all today and admit to ourselves that we cannot love others as Jesus loves them, not in your own strengths or abilities. You can, however, you can unconditionally love others as Jesus does because of the Holy Spirit in you. Our series text ends at verse 8. But if we keep reading, let's go past, okay? Join with me. We're going to go to verse 9. I know it's tough, but we're going to do it. Going from 9 to 12, and it reads this. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. And then at the end of chapter 15, verse 17, says it again. Why? Because we need to hear it again. He says, this is my command. Love each other. Wow. Firstly, this is a command. It's not optional. You don't get to decide who you love and who you don't. Each other means simply that. See, my best attempt at a, a deep dive into the depths of the culture of the day and the syntax of when Jesus said this, of the scripture, and, and years of pursuing its true meaning, I'm absolutely sure that each other means each other. Everyone. What about those that stand against me? What about enemies I may have? Jesus got you covered. It's covered in God's word. Matthew 5, verse 43 to 48. You have heard it said, 
Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, this is Jesus, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be the the children of your father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? And not even the tax, don't even the tax collectors do that. And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the pagans do that. So be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly father is perfect. So that's firstly. Secondly, When we love others as God loves us, we prove ourselves to be God's children. And this is how we prove to be true disciples of Jesus. The Greek word agape for love is not the emotional kind of love, but it's the hands-on. It's the doing things for the benefit of another. And in doing so, we are unselfish. And so we desire, we have this willingness to seek what is best for others. Who are we proving this to? to everyone, to those that we are to love. And by doing so, we demonstrate God at work in us. And this brings glory that he is glorified. It all starts with what? And then abiding in the vine. Yes. So without Jesus, we can do nothing. What can we do without love? Well, let's read 1 Corinthians 13. Turn with me there, as I want you to read it as well this morning. The Holy Spirit speak to you through these words. 1 Corinthians 13, starting at verse 1. We read, If I speak with tongues of men and of angels, but have not love for others, growing out of God's love for me, then I have become only a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. How annoying is that? Just an annoying distraction. And if I have the gift of prophecy and speak a new message from God to the people and understand all mysteries and possess all knowledge, and if I have all sufficient faith so that I can remove mountains but do not have love reaching out to others, I am what? Nothing. If I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned but do not have love, it does me no good at all. Amen? But what happens when we do bear fruit? When we love others like Jesus loves us? Well, we know that love's an action word, right? And so we love others by doing good things for others. We, we help others in their time of need. We support others with many different ways and means. We, in, we encourage others and build them up. And we share the love we have received with others to let them know that God loves them. And they too can become a child of God. 2 Corinthians 9.13, Paul commended and he encouraged the Corinth church in being obedient and bearing fruit. And he says this, as a result of your ministry, talking to the church, remember, as a result of your ministry, church, they will give, they, those that are outside the church, they will give glory to God. Wow, that's awesome. That's powerful. Think about this for a moment. By living a life connected to the vine, by bearing fruit, more fruit, much fruit, that because of how you live your life following Jesus and being Christ-like in your words and actions, that it causes those around you to take notice. And they know that you're a true follower of Jesus. And because of this, they, they say, God has used you in amazing ways. And because of how you live your life, I feel 
the weight of God's presence. Right? Wow. That's heavy. And you don't need to be a theologian. You don't need to be a pastor. You don't need to be an evangelist to bring glory to God. Your title doesn't matter. Your age doesn't matter. Your occupation doesn't matter. What matters is your obedience to Jesus' command. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. And as we do, our primary objective in living our lives should be to bring glory to God, to make his greatness known as we enjoy this deep and intimate relationship that we have with him. We don't accomplish this with grand achievements or prestigious titles, but rather through simple obedience. Simple obedience. And when we do as he commands, we are the very vessels that God has chosen to reveal his glory. His followers were true followers. I know, right? It's, that is, it's a pretty heavy responsibility, but it is the greatest of joys at the same time. And here's the wonderful thing about God's plan for us. God's plan is not complicated. God's plan for your life is not something that is unattainable. God's plan for you to have a relationship with him is available to all. We read in 1 John 1, 7, but if we really walk in the light, that is live each and every day in conformity with the precepts of God, as he himself is in the light, we have true unbroken fellowship with one another. He with us and we with him. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin by erasing the stain of sin, keeping us cleansed from sin in all of its forms and manifestations. Because we walk in the light. God himself is in the light. We have this true fellowship with God and he with us. And as we walk, we follow our Lord's footsteps. In 1 Peter 2, 21, we read, for as a believer, you have been called for this purpose since Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you may follow his footsteps. If you're a follower of our Lord Jesus Christ, the fact is this, you need very little motivation to bear fruit because you're already living out your life for who you are in Christ and who Christ is in you. Amen? Now, if you're abiding, if you are abiding, I can tell you, you're producing fruit. That's the math. If you are producing fruit, you already know the great joy that comes from living a life of obedience in Christ, and, and then it brings glory to the Father. And if you're bringing glory to the Father, there is no greater joy no greater motivator than knowing that you are right where you need to be, doing exactly what you're supposed to do, what you're called to do, and that God is glorified through your life. And when you become more like Jesus, you want to share his gospel more, his good news of eternal salvation for all. You want to witness more and win souls for God. When you become more like Jesus, you will see your attitude change. When you become more like Jesus, you will treat people differently. How do we become more like Jesus? It all starts with abiding in the vine. I hope you leave here today and you remember this. How do we remain connected to the vine? Well, as we've heard from Pastor Mark, we stay connected by the reading of God's word. We remain connected by praying. We remain connected by our worship and by being steadfast when it comes to the mission of Christ. 
And in all these important ways to stay connected to the vine, we do so only by the power of the Holy Spirit in us. In John 14, we read, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world, the world cannot receive and take to its heart, because it does not see him or know him. But you know him, because he, the Holy Spirit, remains with you continually and will be with you. Amen? The promise of the Holy Spirit given by Jesus empowers us to abide in Christ and stay connected to Jesus. And as we do, our, our lives reflect the character of Christ. The Holy Spirit is not some distant force, but is a constant companion, a true comforter, a true advocate. And through the Holy Spirit, we find strength and wisdom and encouragement. And once again, we read from John 14, 15, 16, if you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. And so, what role does the Holy Spirit have in us in abiding in the vine? Well, think about a vine for a moment, and, and from the vine, there are many branches, and flowing from the vine to the branches is the life-sustaining sap, the nutrients that provides the nourishment that enables us branches to produce fruit. When we're abiding, we're being intentional with prayer. We immerse ourselves in God's word and we make time available to be in God's presence. We also prepare our hearts to be open for the Holy Spirit to be at work in us, transforming our lives to produce that fruit. The fruit again, love, peace, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's the fruit, the character of God. This love, which Jesus declares as a defining mark of his disciples, not only transforms us, but also testifies to the world of our true identity in Christ, that we are his true disciples, his devoted students, if you would. And as his true disciples, we live to bring glory to God. Our lives, our transformed hearts, our, our unity together as a community of faith in Christ, as a church family. All of this is a reflection of God's goodness and his grace. So church, we can either sit on the sidelines and watch opportunities pass by, or we can allow the Holy Spirit to work in us in our hearts as we abide in Jesus. And we see God receive the glory through us in ways that we could never, ever imagine. Simple obedience. I pray that we, that I, that you, have an Isaiah moment, right? And, and come to that realization that my life, your life, is not your own. And so, Lord, here am I. Send me. It all starts with abiding in the vine. But wait, there's more. <laughs> you keep hearing about we can do nothing, right, without Christ. And that is truth. But what can we do with Christ? Glad you asked. 
Philippians 4.13, I can do all things which he has called me to do through him who strengthens and empowers me to fulfill his purpose. I'm self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. I am ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses me with inner strength and confident peace. What was that? I can do all things through Christ. You can do all things through Christ. Amen? Amen. Do you not see how important it is to stay connected to the vine? Wow. I was asked once by a non-believer what the meaning of life was, and I remember replying to him, not with words of wisdom that I had, but uh, the Holy Spirit uttered these words through me to him, and my answer was this, it's not about you. All right? Many years later, I was reading the book, The Purpose Driven Life, opened it up to the first chapter, and there it was. It's not about you. I'm like, whoa. So, you know, several weeks ago, Pastor Mark, in one of our staff meetings, he he asked, you know, what was the one thing that mattered the most to each of us as a follower of Christ? And I recall without hesitation, my answer was that my life glorify God. That also aligns with something that I read recently. It was uh, from the Westminster Shorter Catechism, and it reads this, man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Let that sink. That's heavy revy. So you see, Why it matters so much to me is my history was dark, it was shameful, it was messy. And so there's a song that's been playing in the lobby. If you've heard it, awesome. If you're not, go home, listen to the song. Matthew West is the the writer. He wrote the song. It's called My Story, His Glory. And each and every time I hear the words or see the video, I'm overwhelmed. I, I am overwhelmed that my Lord, the maker of the entire universe, right, from the cosmos to like an earthly speck of dust, He made everything. That through my dark and shameful and messy time in my life, he had a plan and he was at work in me. Right? So some of the lyrics I'll I'll share with them with you today because I I hope they encourage you too. Maybe you're going through something and maybe these will speak to you. And uh, the premise of the the song is that everybody's uh, life is a written book. And there's a lot of things to parallels to draw there, but it's just your life is in a written book. And it reads like this. Uh, the story of me was a story of shame. Wrong turns written on every page. So many parts that were so messed up, but I love the part where you showed up. Rewriting my past, rewriting my hurt, line by line, word by word. And now my story is living proof. There's not a chapter that you can't use. My story, your glory. My pain, your purpose. My mess, your message. In all things I know you're working, one life, one mission, one reason why I'm living. Let all I say and all I do point to the one who changed my life. All for you, not for me, my story, your glory. Amen. Those are some good words here. That's a, that's a message. So as I share today, I, I, this is very personal for me because to glorify my Lord, my King, as I live out my life is my heart's desire. It is the the driving reason behind not only what I do, but who I am and who I desire to be more like as long as I have breath in these lungs. In 1 Corinthians 10, verse 23 to 33, the apostle Paul, he tells us to do it all for the glory of God. To summarize that, uh, whether you're doing big things or little things in your life, do them in such a way that display the character of God in you. God wants to use you, his creation, 
his child to reveal his character to all people everywhere. How about that for purpose for your life? Amen? Today's message would not be complete, though, without stepping back to the beginning. Because if you're here, or if you're listening online, and you don't know who Jesus is, or you've heard stories about him, I want to let you know that he's been waiting to get your attention. I could tell, you're, I could tell you this, if, if this is your first time here, you're not going to find perfect people here. I could tell you that. But you will find a group of people that follow the one who lived a perfect life. Amen? Right? So Jesus made a way for us to be reconciled to our Heavenly Father because of sin that we have in our lives. And so no matter the sin, no matter if you consider some sin to be small and insignificant, sin is sin. Let's call it for what it is. And it deserves God's judgment. Through Jesus Christ, God provided a way by his grace that we may live in his grace. And we are called to live life with an attitude of triumph because Jesus has defeated the enemy. Amen? That bears repeating. And we are called to live a life with an attitude of triumph because Jesus has defeated the enemy. Amen. Question I often ask myself is, why then? Why then do I see so many people living defeated lives? Maybe you've asked that question too. Maybe they're Christian. Maybe they're not. I could tell you the answer. The answer is sin. There. That's the answer. If you're here, you're ready to be done living a life of defeat. If you've been carrying the weight of the world because of the hurt you may have caused others, if you're wondering if there's any hope in the mess that you're currently in, if you're struggling to live your life, but the world keeps pulling you back down, I want to remind you that Jesus is the answer. Amen? In Christ, in Him, in Him alone, Jesus is our answer. In the letter that Paul wrote to the Romans, we read that we are living in grace. We're dead to sin. We're baptized in Christ. We're buried in Christ. We're raised in righteousness in him, united in his death and resurrection. We are no longer slaves to sin. We are free from sin. We live in Christ, and we are triumphant over sin and death in him, in Jesus, the anointed one. That's your story. Amen? Now, if you repent of your sins, you confess him as Lord and Savior, and you get a hold of these truths, you will know who you are in him. And Christ, in, in him, you will no longer live in defeat, but in Christ, you are triumphant. And yes, there's even more. <laughs> Paul then tells us in Romans 6.11, even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin and your relationship to it broken, but alive in, to God in unbroken fellowship with him in Jesus Christ. Because of who we are in Christ, we are to consider ourselves dead to the enslaving power of sin in our lives and alive to God's ruling in our lives through Christ. So if I break that down for us, sin has no authority over you as a follower of Christ. It all starts with abiding in the vine. We're dead to sin and alive to God. 
in Christ. He then continues in verse 13, but offer yourselves to God in a decisive act as those alive raised from the dead to a new life and your members, all of your abilities sanctified, set apart as instruments of righteousness yielded to God. So when you present yourself to God as an instrument, you stop giving yourself to sin. You can't do both, okay? And if you think you can, you're deceiving yourself. When you're in Christ and he is in you, you cannot live the way that you used to because you are not who you used to be, amen? And yet we can all relate. We can all relate to what Paul says in Romans 7, 15. He says, I do not, do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I don't do, but what I hate to do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing." Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. Wow, that's a tongue turner. <laughs> but I don't want to end there. I don't want to end there today because greater is he who is in you than he that is in the world. So without Jesus, we can produce nothing. With Christ, we can do all things. And so we continue to read in Romans 8 verses 9 to 11, you, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But in, if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And then we continue, and if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Amen. So when sin tempts you and presents itself attractive to you, here's your takeaway today. I always like to leave you with something that you could take and apply. So here, here it is. You're going to know who you are in Christ. Consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ and present yourself to God as the righteous child that you are in Christ. Because when you were in Christ, when you were in the true vine, when you were abiding in Christ, you can do this very thing. You can know, you can consider, you can present. And when you choose to live a life in the vine, you will, you will manifest the glory of God. You will produce fruit, more fruit, much fruit, and God's character will be visible to those around you so that in all you do in the name of the Lord, the name of Jesus will be lifted high above all names. And that in all we do, that, that in all we do, that God is glorified through it all because of Christ in us. And it all starts with abiding in the vine. Amen. So if you're here today, and you want to know Jesus, if that's you, as you're, you know him as your Lord and Savior, if you're ready to follow his ways, if you're done with knowing how you are living does not glorify God, if you desire to abide in Jesus so he is in you and will empower you by his Holy Spirit, I want to pray with you today. In church, I want us to pray today. If that's you, simply shoot your hand up so we know who we're praying for today. If that's you, anybody today online, maybe later this week, I know there are some that are going to hear this message and be stirred. So I encourage you, if that's you online, reach out to us here at the gate, and uh, we want to pray with you. And if you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus, 
But for whatever reason, like Paul says, what I don't understand about myself is that I decide one way, but then I act another, you know, doing things that I absolutely despise. To paraphrase, I sin when I know I ought to, right? If that's you today, I want to pray for you too. Possibly you've been living one way on Sunday and the rest of the week, you deny who Christ is in you. I don't know. But I believe the Holy Spirit's speaking to us, has been speaking to me as I prep today's message. And so I know I heard it, the Holy Spirit speaking to me and saying, enough is enough. It's time to repent, turn your eyes to Jesus, walk in his ways once again. See, God greatly desires that through your life, he will reveal his glory to your family, to your colleagues, to your neighbors, that you would abide in him so that his glory manifests to those in your life, and that they too would be presented this wonderful opportunity to know who Christ is and to bring glory to the Father. My hand's up. If I'm the only one, I'm okay with that. But if that's you, put your hand up today. I can't see anything. (laughs) But if that's you, put your hand up. I want to pray. So let's close today in prayer, everybody. And if that's you, if you want to speak afterwards, please feel free to come speak with me. Uh, And I'd I'd like to pray with you one-on-one. So Father, we thank you that we can come into this place today to be equipped to do the work of ministry, that we leave here today more equipped than what we came in, that, that your revelation found in your word has spoken to our hearts and that we leave here empowered by your Holy Spirit to bring glory to your name. It's not about us, it's all about you. And as we lift your name, as we uh, use our words and, and with our actions, whatever we do, we, we demonstrate the, your character in us, the fruit that is being grown, we pray for fruit to to be produced and for more fruit and much fruit, as your word says. It's a progression. So I pray, Lord, that you continue to do the work in our lives, that you continue to do that pruning that we so love. Not, but Lord, have your way, I pray. And so continue to grow us to be more like who you are, to to follow after you, that all we do, in everything we do. It's all about you. So in all that we do, in every breath that we take, that you would be glorified through us. And I pray that as we leave here today, that we understand a little bit more about what it means to bring glory to your name and and how we can do that and, and why we do that. And so, Lord, have your way. I pray for each person here, for those that put a hand up, for those online, and for all here today, Lord as we come together to hear your word and to proclaim who you are. I pray the rest of the day will be a time where we reflect on what we heard and that it will challenge us, that it will cause change in our hearts, that we will be a little bit more like you today and a little little less like us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Worship team, I'll invite you up. And just as Isabel will play on the keys here, I want to invite you, we've been doing this, I want to invite you to take the next two minutes, and there's some questions on the screen to ask yourself after you've heard what you've heard today. And I don't know where you're at in your faith walk, what what you're encountering, but I, I pray that these questions, you'll allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart during this time as you ask yourself these questions. The first question is, how do I express the glory of God in my life, and how do others see 
God's glory in me. And then, how do I deal with sin in my life? Maybe that's where you're at today. And can I know, consider, and present to overcome that sin? So take two minutes, as we do, and allow the Holy Spirit to minister to your heart this morning. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We make these messages available to give you a window into our church, but also an open gate for you to join in with our community. Our Sunday service is at 10 a.m., and we look forward to seeing you soon. And know that there is a place for you at the gate. Please remember to visit thegatechurch.ca for more information about our church.